Well, we're in a series entitled Rethink Church. Kind of came from my little medical hyenas where I had three months just to kind of sit and reflect and listen and dream a bit and read stuff I don't normally get to read because of the pressures of, of what you do. But uh, last week we looked at the true attitude, a true attitude of the church, which is we over me, and that's just got to be a part of our DNA and a part of our culture that we're here to help others and serve others and and give God glory, and so it's never about us, it's always about him, so it's we over me, and today's message can be summed up in four very simple words, four words that don't leave after you hear the four words, if you go, well, that's all there is, we'll just leave, but, but hang on, four words, here it is, saved people serve people, saved people serve people, would you say that with me? Saved people serve people. Now, I know it's a little early, and some of you don't believe it, and some of you don't have buy-in because you're not serving and you call yourself saved, but I'm going to try to prove to you and demonstrate to you throughout the New Testament that saved people serve people. The Bible describes the church not as a building but as a body. And I want us to look at a couple of verses. Look at verse 1. Just go back to Ephesians chapter 4, whether it's on your smartphone or your, your uh, personal device or, you know, your old school and you still have your Bible and flip the pages. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, we're to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. Now, that word calling is a word of balance. It, it means that what he has poured into us theologically from chapters 1, 2, and 3. And it is deep and rich with theological meaning. And all that he pours into us about atonement and redemption, about salvation, about being his workmanship created unto Christ Jesus, chapter 2 and verse 10, and, and how he has the preeminence in all things, and how we're accepted in the beloved Ephesians 1, 6. All of that that we've been given in chapters 1, 2, and 3, we're now to live out. And when you live what you've been taught, then that is a life worthy of the calling that God has called us to. You know, if, you, if you're all just church and, and you're all just learning, then it's a life out of balance. I guess I ought to flip it this way so the, the people on the far, or my far right, can say as well. But you understand what I'm saying. That God wants us to live this balanced life, and if all you do is go to life group and you never serve, if all you do is, is serve and never come to church, and if all you do is serve and come to church but you never spend time growing, I'm telling you, you are living not a life worthy even though you're doing worthy things. You're not living a worthy life because you're not living a balanced life that God intended us to do. God wants us to connect with him, he wants us to grow, and he wants us to serve, and that is so tremendously important. But if we're also to live worthy as a church, each worship, growing, connecting, and serving in the area of our giftedness, look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, from him, the him is Jesus Christ, he's the head of the church, not Trimble or Myers or Wilson or Kerr, but, but Jesus Christ, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part, you're the part, as each part does his work, you're the part. If you don't work, the body don't work. Got it? You work, the body works, 
you don't work, the body doesn't work. I really understand, I think, better than I've ever had before, this whole imagery of the church being the body of Christ. It, it, it's, my body is one body, and i got a lot of different parts. i got the same number of parts as you got, but I'm just not as tall as most of you, but i got the same number of parts. And when parts don't work, man, then the body doesn't work. See, my body has always done what I have always known my body to do. My body has always done whatever I wanted it to do. doesn't matter if it was playing ball or hoops or, or whatever. My body has always done whatever I wanted to do. Uh, matter of fact, you're going to see a slide right now. It should be me and Terry hunting bear. Uh, you know, uh, those, those are the ones that we had nothing to do with. Uh, we just stood in front of them. But my body's always done what I wanted it to do. However, uh, until last fall, in late October and November, I started getting tingling in my, my left fingers. I, I, it, it all started because I got a crick in my neck. I, I wish I could tell you I ran into a burning house and saved three children and a cat, but I can't. Uh, I just took a nap. And when I woke up from the nap, my, my, I just kind of cricked my neck just a little bit, and then my the whole left side of my back was just like in spasms. And so, you know, and I've had that before just a little bit. You know, we've all kind of woke up with a little bit of a kink in our neck because we slept on it wrong, and I just figured it'd go away in a few days. And it didn't go away in a few days. I went to the doctor, sent me to physical therapy. The physical therapists, who were phenomenal, helped me work through this thing. And as they were working out the spasm part of it, I, I noticed that I started getting tingling in my in my left hand and my fingertips and then it started moving into my hand and it started moving up my arm and I started losing kind of control over my left hand and there were things that I used to could do that I I couldn't do uh, matter of fact everybody just do this if you can just do that I could not do that with my left hand I could do this and it would take me a little while and I could do that with great concentration, there was no way to get the last two fingers. I just couldn't do it. Now, in my world, I thought I was okay because I could not point to one place on my body and go, ouch. I didn't hurt. I, I, I was sore like you are after you work out, but I just wasn't hurting. There was no place I could touch and say, I hurt. And, uh, but yet my body wasn't working right. Several people who are very important to me kind of took me aside and uh, asked me what in the world was going on. Uh, someone told me my left hand looked like it had a stroke. I don't know if you remember, but I was preaching with my hand in my pocket, or I had the table up on it. I just kind of left it there on the table, just trying to kind of mask the thing. Again, I didn't think there was an issue because I didn't hurt. There wasn't a place on my body I could go, ouch. But the, third, the Tuesday night of our praise-giving service, I found myself for the very first time in my life in a neurologist's office. And he did several simple tests. And one test he did is he looked at me and said, Mr. Trimble, no matter what I do, no matter what I do, do not let me move your hand. I said, no problem. I got it. He, and he looked at me and said again, said, now no matter what I do, do not let me move. I said, I got it. I'm good. And I'm thinking, this guy is not going to move my hand. And he took his finger and he just went, whoop. And he looked at me and he said, Houston, we have a problem. And then he said, Mr. Trimble, you have a very serious problem. And I am blowing him off. 
Because there's not a place on my body that I can point to and say, I hurt there. And in my world, if I can't point on a place in my body that goes, I hurt there, then it's not that big of a deal. Well, Sunday after church, this is the Sunday now, this is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, the Sunday following Thanksgiving, I have an MRI. And, uh, and yet, matter of fact, I will show you my x-ray up here. And then I went to the neurosurgeon that Monday, the next day. And if you, you, you see the white things on it right there in the middle, and then you got white, kind of gray and white, well, that's your spinal cord and your spinal fluid. And, and you're supposed to have white all the way up on both sides. And you can clearly see I don't have white all the way up on both sides. And the neurosurgeon looked at me and he said, Mr. Trimble, you got a very serious problem. Medicine is not going to fix it. Physical therapy is not going to fix it. The only remedy is surgery. Now, if you know me any at all, I always think in terms of options. If you give me three, I just think there's got to be two more out there, and let's figure this thing out. So I had to sound like the dumbest thing that came out of the hills in a long time to this doctor. And I looked at him, and I said, I said, so, doc, what are my options? And he said, well, you can have surgery, and I feel very good about your chances because of your health, that, that you'll do very well in surgery. He said... Or you can be, as he said, or if you don't have the surgery, it's not a matter of if you become a quadriplegian, it's just a matter of when. Now, when he used the Q word, he had my undivided attention. At this point, I didn't care if I could touch a part of my body that didn't hurt or not. I knew my body was in serious trouble, not because I could point on a place and go out, but because my body wasn't doing what it was designed to do. Well, I, I, my, the, 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 the church staff is gathering at my house. This is like Monday at late afternoon, early evening now, and I've been with the neurosurgeon for quite a while, and I have been... And the staff is gathering in my house. They all know how to break in. They, they were all in our, in our house ready for our staff, getting ready for our staff Christmas party. And the doctor routes me to the emergency room. And you can see that picture coming up. I'll explain the sunglasses at a later time. But then I had surgery the next day. And honestly, again, I thank you for your prayers. I feel great. I feel awesome. The point of all of this is, is that... If a part of your body isn't working right, it has serious issues for the rest of your body. If part of our church is not working right, verse 16, chapter 4, book of Ephesians, verse 16, every part, if every part is not working right, then somewhere we're going to have issues in the church. Are you with me? Does it make sense? And so every part has got to do what God has called us to do. So as a believer, every part of the body of Christ, as a part of the body of Christ, if you're not serving and working, man, you've got serious issues going on. Now, Ed Stetzer, who's a church life kind of guru, he kind of came up with six reasons why people don't serve in the church. All right? Because every we're saved people, serve people. And, and so here, I just kind of want to throw these out at you. For some people just have poor teaching. You may have come from a church background where the pastor did everything. That's not the way it is here. All right? You just may have a poor church model in your background. And that's not what happens. The second one is that some people feel useless. 
Some people feel useless. Other people are hurting. That's the third one. Some people are just flat out lazy. By the way, you do understand that Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, does not have a positive view of laziness. Amen? You understand the New Testament does not have a positive view of laziness. We're to work diligently as a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Talks about our faith, but it also talks about just kind of our, our work ethic as well. Hey, and some people just have kind of nice sounding excuses and, and nice sounding reasons. You know, they'll say things like, well, I'm just so busy. We just had children. I got a new job. Life is, is hard. And, and all of that is true. Man, if everybody who had children stopped serving, there'd be a whole lot of people doing nothing around here. You know? And life is busy for everybody. Amen? Matter of fact, if you got free time on your hands, just raise your hand. We want to know how you do it. I don't know anybody who's got free time. All right? And so... And then the last one is sin. You just choose to live in disobedience to God's word because saved people serve people. Verse 16, every part. So we want to unpack it just a little bit. Let's go back to verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4 and, and verse 1. It talks about let us live a life worthy of the calling, of the vocation where we've been called. And so he, he wants there to be a balance when we give our excuses that we don't have time, that we're too busy, that, you know, life stuff is more important than what God is calling us to do, then that's not living that worthy, that worthy life. And so I want you to understand it. By the way, there's this great quote by John Calvin. I, I, yeah, it comes up on the screen. And here's what he said about people, Christians, who are trying to live a whole life, trying to live an Ephesians 4-1 life, trying to live a life worthy of the calling God's called us to, but are totally neglect this serving thing. He says they, those who are not serving in the church, and this is John Calvin, great theologian, brilliant mind, several centuries ago, but just absolutely brilliant. He said they are insane. Who neglect this means of building up the church, hope to be perfect in the church, and imagine that they do not need to be a part of the ministry of the church. I had several conversations with people this week. Either they or their spouse, you know, were, were talking and they said, well, you know, we just feel like we don't need church, that we can just kind of stay home, watch over on the online and blah, 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 and, and, and just get just as I, and I, I just look at them and said, then you don't understand you have the wrong theology of church. Everybody needs a place where they can connect. Everybody needs a place where they can grow. And everybody needs a place to serve. And when you have all three of those things going on, connecting, growing, serving, then all of a sudden then when you start connecting with God in church and you start growing in life groups in church and you start growing, and I don't want to break anything, uh, my neck or otherwise, then, then you start living that Ephesians 4.1, that life worthy of the calling that Christ has called us to. Now drop down to, uh, let's look at verse 1 again. I think it's going to pop up on the screen. As a prison of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Look at verse 7. Here's what verse 7 says. But each one of us, tie that together with verse 1, connect it with verse 16. Let all of us, each one of us, every part. 
each one do his part. The idea is that church is not about the pastoral staff, that every saint, all saved people serve people, each one of us. Now, by the way, I like the way that he phrases this because he tells us it's a gift. That's what uh, the grace word means, chara. It's the, it's the Greek word for gift. And we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but here it's clearly the gifts of Christ. That Christ gives to the church, uh, to you, for the church, so that the church might be strengthened, that the church might be built up, that the church might be lifted up, so that we might help people grow up and be all that God has called and asked us to be. So to each one of us, grace is given. Now there are about 20 or so spiritual gifts in the Bible, all right? And, and I'm not going to go into all the different spiritual gifts. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. You can see down at the bottom kind of where they're fine. They're never given the order, never given in the order of importance. It's just simply the fact that in verse 11, all right, that I just want you to understand that there are more than just the five things given in verse 11. Let's look at verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and this is out of the king james and i think it's a more accurate translation he gave uh, that of this verse and some prophets and some evangelists and some shepherds and some teachers and all of these have a teaching equipping aspect to them now notice not everybody is a pastor or teacher only some are why because you don't need that many quite honestly why isn't everyone an, an apostle? Why isn't everyone a pastor? Why isn't everyone a preacher? I think the fact is you don't need that many. And not everybody has that Christ gift or spiritual gift. But you do have one. By the way, verse 11 doesn't contain the most important people. Look at verse 12. And, and you have it in the King James Version and the NIV because I know most of you use the NIV right now. And so for the perfecting of the saints, that's the King James. The saints are the most important. For the perfecting of the saints. It's the saints clearly in view in verse 1 of chapter 4. It's the saints clearly in view in verse 7 of chapter 4. It's the saints clearly in view in chapter or verse 16 of chapter 4. Matter of fact, throughout this whole deal, it is the saints that make up the church because the building in the church, we are the church, and the saints are the ones clearly in focus here. You are a saint of God if you're saved. So if you are saved, I want you to turn to somebody right now with all the humility you have in your heart and go, hey baby, I'm a saint. Go ahead. Go ahead. You feel a little creepy doing that, don't you? All right, leave the hey baby part out and just say I'm a saint. Because that's what you are. 
When Jesus Christ saved you, he adopted you in the family of God. He took away your sins. You are now clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are accepted in the beloved. Your sins are forgiven. And now Christ does not look at you. God in heaven does not look at you. The Spirit of God does not look at you as sinner. But he looks at you as saint and child of God. And so it's the saints that are important. All believers are saints, and some saints are teachers, and a a smaller group than that are pastors, that some group, and I love this. See, my ministry as a job description is kind of found right there in verses 12 and 13. I do ministry stuff. At 5.30 this morning, I'm on my way to church, and the woman's in the ditch uh, just a little bit west of here. And I pull over and I jump out and I try to help her, and I'm trying to push her car out of the mud and all of that. And she has no idea about my neck, and I could hear Terry screaming in my head, you know. And I'm just, you know, I'm shoving, I'm lifting on that thing, and I'm, you know, back and doing all that kind of stuff. You know, that's just the gift of helps. But if you want to know the job description, man, it's right there to equip the saints, to build up the saints, and to help the saints saints become mature in the body of Christ. Oh, I do saintly stuff. I'm going to invite people to church. I'm to evangelize, blah, 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 same things that you and I are supposed to do. But what I do in the body of Christ is that some pastor thing. And I can stand up here and preach till I'm blue in the face or blue in my shirt. But if all of our parts don't work together, then we've not made a difference in the kingdom of God. We've just gathered and had a nice time. And I don't want to come and just gather for a nice time. Man, I want to shake the very gates of hell. I want to be a a world-changing church. Not because of me. If you thought that this church was sole dependent on me, I have been absent for the last three months, and y'all did just fine. Amen? Joe and Don and Clayton just did an incredible job, and everybody else stepped up. Man, I appreciate it. I, I want you to understand that. Every person can learn to serve by living out three important decisions. And if you're going to serve, you've got to make three tough Tough decisions because serving a lot of times is tough. A lot of times it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's very frustrating. But you got to live out three important commitments and decisions. Here's the first one. Matter of fact, you can fill this out in your notes. I am available. This is telling God, here I am. For a long time, the greatest... Or the church has said the greatest ability is availability. And I think that's true. Make yourself available to God. Just say, God, here I am. I want to be a part of something bigger than me. I, I want to live that Ephesians 4, 1 life where the theology and the preaching and the teaching I'm getting, I'm living out and I'm growing and I'm serving. And, 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 and I want to be all that you've created me to be. But I also want to make a difference. So, God, here I am. I may not know what to do, where to go, how to do it. But, Lord, here I am. And if you have a Lord, I don't know what to do but here I am, use me attitude, God will use you, and that's a promise. 
See, when you got saved, a lot of stuff happened that you were not even aware of. When you got saved, you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Your sins were forgiven. The Holy Spirit moved in your heart. You ex- Christ's propitiation became your uh, atoning work. You were clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And also at that moment, you were given at least one, and I think for many, several of those spiritual gifts that popped up on the screen several slides ago. And God gave those to you so that you could discover them, develop them, and use them to make a difference in the lives of other people as you strengthen the church so the church can come, be encouraged, be strengthened, be equipped, be mature, be built up so that we can go out where we don't have very many Christians at work tomorrow, where we can go out and it's kind of a godless workforce or a godless community or a godless neighborhood or a godless school or, you know, you got the idea. And there we can be a light in the darkness. We can be a a salt in a place that needs to thirst for Jesus. We can be the light of the world because we came to a place and all the parts, all the saints work together so that we could be stronger and make a difference in the kingdom of God. Dude, that was one little thing in my fourth cervical thing back there. Just one little thing, just a teeny, tiny thing. And all of a sudden, my left hand wasn't working. Thing was shooting over to my right hand. My leg was kind of, I was, I was kind of doing that thing, so I felt like I had to just kind of sling my leg out just to kind of get it going sometimes. I went back to my doctor, and my doctor said, well, these are just things that kind of happen when you get over 50. I thought, glory, what's going to happen to me when I get over 60? You know, it's like killing me. You just simply say, I'm going to be available. God use me. The apostle Paul told Timothy, a young pastor in 2 Timothy, he said, you've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to faithful and trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on. He's saying he's looking for people who are not perfect. And goodness knows this church is not perfect. Amen? You can amen better than that. We are not a perfect church. And if you're looking for a perfect church, you're saying it, man, church people just mess stuff up. I was, I was reading just, you ever, you ever just, just Google sometimes dumb church bulletin bloopers. And the way we mess stuff up sometimes, just listen, it's kind of, I thought it was kind of, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, this is actually in a bulletin, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Methodist. Come here, Bertha Belch, all the way from Africa. <laughs> Did we just mess stuff up? Or the low, self-esteem, the low self-esteem support group will meet this Thursday at 7 o'clock at the church. Please use the back door. That ain't going to help that group. Or this one. Weight Watchers will meet 7 p.m. at the church. Please use the large double doors on the side entrance. Man, we're not perfect. We're going to mess everything up from bulletins to buildings. But you know, a bulletin's not going to take you to heaven, and a building's not going to take you to heaven. But it is Jesus Christ. And you make yourself available. And he takes your weakness and makes you strong. 
he, he takes your inadequacies and supplements that with, with his strength. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16 says, For the righteous man falls seven times, and he rises again. Here's a faithful man who's just been beat down by life, but he gets up. He beats down by life, and he gets up. And the job beats him down, but he gets up. Health beats him down, but he gets up. Family beats him down, but he gets up. And I don't know what's beating you down. I don't know what keeps just whipping you down to the breaking point. All I know is that you can't stay where you are. you got to get back up. And just because life is tough isn't an excuse to bail on what you do in the kingdom of God. He simply says that we got to be available. Look at the second decision you got to make. The second decision you got to say is, I will be a servant. And this is just simply saying, here we grow. I will be a servant. By the way, just look at the screen and, and just see how the apostles introduced themselves. The, I mean, these were the men. I mean, these were like the big 12. And yet here's how they introduced themselves. Paul in Romans 1.1 said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart, but he identified himself as a servant first. Paul and Timothy, Philippians 1.1 says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, did James 1.1, didn't say, hey, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. He didn't say, hey, I'm apostle. He said, I am a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter didn't go, or Peter didn't go, hey, I walked on water. Hey, I was in that inner circle. I was with him in the garden. I was with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He didn't say any of that in 2 Peter 1.1. He said, Simon Peter, a servant. And all of a sudden, we kind of think it's a, it's a low and a base thing to serve in the church. Jesus had to address this issue with his disciples in, in, Mark, chapter, in Mark chapter 9 and verse 33 through 35. They're walking along the way, and Jesus is, is either in front of them or behind them or just acting like it, talking maybe to somebody else. But, but there was a conversation going over here with a group of the 12, and it was who was going to be the greatest. And they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. See, they, they, didn't, have, they didn't have this serving thing going on. It, it was just all about being the man. It was just all about being the... You know, the one and who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus asked him and he said, what are you arguing about? Let's put it in the vernacular of our day. What in the world are you guys talking about? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Jesus said, you got to follow my example. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for all. Christ is our example in this thing. Go back to verse 16. It has this body kind of imagery of joints and ligaments in Ephesians 4, 16. For the whole body joined, held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. And each part does its own work. And, 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 and there's all these connections and, and two parts, you know, one 
gets together with somebody else and they help each other grow and then the entire body grows and enjoys health because everyone is doing its part. By the way, one of the best ways to grow your faith is not only hear it, but then start doing it and start serving in it. Let, let me just kind of fast forward to the last one. And the last one is be a minister. And that just says, here I go. Be a minister. Look at verses 15 and 16. As we kind of come to a close. Verse 15 and 16 talks about how all of us need to do our part. Because save people, serve people. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6. Paul wrote this, the servant. He said this, he said, not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. In other words, our divine enablement, our, our ability, it comes from God. He hath made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. And so this giftedness that he's given you, you got to discover it. You discover it by using it, and then you develop it. You be around people who, who, who do it better than you, and you learn from them, and you go to uh, conferences, and you learn from people who have the like passion as you do. You, you read books, and you take it, and you appropriate it. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you kind of get connected in a serving group, then a life group, and, and there's all kinds of, of ways to do that. But you got to do it. You simply got to say, Lord, I am your minister. Here I am. Use me. And I'm afraid we've misunderstood this whole concept of full-time minister. You know, you look at me and you say, oh, Pastor Mike, he's our full-time minister. You know, the reality of it is, is that everybody in here is a full-time minister. If you're saved. My vocation is that I serve as pastor to equip, to build up, and to help folks mature in their relationship with Christ and in the church. But all of us, we say it all the time in membership class, Grow Tracks 101, everybody needs to go through it. Grow Tracks 101, we talk about it all the time. Membership is a commitment to ministry because we believe that every member is a minister my my ministry is vo as a vocational ministry is found right there in verse you know 12 and 13 yours may be in second or first corinthians chapter 12 or romans chapter 12 it may be found in that list in first peter i'm just simply telling you that we're all ministers yes you're to be a minister and i, I hear people and i agree people say well my job is my ministry yes it is that's not just true of a select few. That's true of everybody. Do you know how God reaches the medical community? He disguises serving saints up as doctors and nurses and nurse practitioners. And then he sends them off into a medical mission field. You know how God reaches factory workers? He takes serving saints and he equips them and he builds them up and they mature in their faith. And then they go off on Monday morning to a plant and they live Jesus in front of that because they're a full-time minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You do not take off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday because you are not in this building. Matter of fact, you ought to be more on fire when you leave this building because of what you received from being in this place. You know how God reaches the legal community? He disguises people as lawyers and judges and policemen. 
so that they could go in the world and make a difference on their jobs for the kingdom of God. We're all full-time ministers. That's a given. You serve your family. You serve where you work. And you serve in the church. Because we serve. Go back to chapter 4 and verse 7. The gifts that Jesus gave were for the building up of the church. So here it is. Save people, serve people. I guess the question is really simple. Are you serving? To many of you who serve, we don't say this enough, and in case you don't know it, man, we love you and we appreciate you. You rock it out. Man, you, you, just, you just serve in Jesus' name, and, and some of you are making coffee, and some of you are cleaning up the coffee that others spill. God bless you. Man, this place goes not because of what I do, but because of what the saints do. And you know that to be true because I have not been here the last three months. It is all the parts working together. So here's the invitation. David is going to come and sing just a, a simple song, but it's got great meaning. In your bulletin... You've got, a, you've got a card that looks something like this. Join our team. I want you to fill it out if you're not serving. Now listen closely. If you're not serving, I want you to fill it out. We just put six things there. In your bulletin on the insert, the, the five and a half by eight insert, there should be a list of the 38 to 40 different areas of ministry you can plug into. If one of these six are not kind of your deal, your thing, then I want you to write it in at the bottom. You say, man, you're really putting the pressure on me to serve. You bet I am. Because you can't live Ephesians 4.1. You can't live a life worthy if all you do is show up Sunday morning. You haven't gotten it. You're not getting it. You're a servant of Jesus Christ. You are a saint of God. You are saved to serve. And if you're not serving, you've misunderstood one of the basic tenets of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And modeling your life after him. Save people, serve people. So what I want you to do is I want you to just check that off. Or if you're serving in a ministry that you just kind of like, I just want to move somewhere else. It's not a good fit for me. Then I want you to fill that in. Come on. And, uh, and Ron, just go ahead and start playing whenever you, you get there, buddy. Thank you so much. Check any area that interests to you and write it down. Now, here's what's going to happen with these cards. By Wednesday night, this is our promise. Joe, Don, and myself, one of the three of us will give you a call. It will be a very short five to no more than ten minute call unless you want to make it longer. But our job, uh, what we want to do is just touch base with each of you. Maybe just kind of ask some questions kind of because these are broad categories and, and, and we kind of want to try to find how maybe best to steer you. Maybe you want to serve in children's ministry because you got kids down there, but you don't like kids. Hey, we got a place to plug you in, and it's not with kids, but we got stuff for you to do. You say, I don't like people, but I thought about being a greeter. No, that ain't going to work. 
So it's just basically simple questions just so we can kind of help you walk that, that next step. And then, then we're going to let the team leaders know. And then their job, if they're not out of town, is to contact you or we will introduce you to them on Sunday. And you can shadow them around and, and make that connection so that you can be serving right away. So that's kind of what I want you to do. For many of you, Grow Tracks is a great next step. And if you've not gone through Grow Tracks to learn about being a member of the church and being baptized and, and where we're going and what we're doing and, and four habits to being a successful Christian and, and discovering your giftedness, that's what you do in Grow Tracks 301. I mean, just write Grow Tracks at the bottom. Pastor Joe will get those and he will contact you by Wednesday night. Because you see, when we serve, man, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. If you've stepped away from serving, you have served in the past, and you've said, well, my kids are out of youth group, and so I've just kind of done my time. Man, you, you got some of the best wisdom in the church. It's not a time to step back. It's a time to lean into again. And so if you've been in ministry, but you've stepped away, this is a great time and a great opportunity. We want to make it just so easy for you to kind of re-engage in serving so you can live that Ephesians 4, 1 life. 